This is On Your Radar, a podcast series featuring the expert clinical and medical staff at Rosecrans. I'm John Williams. In this two-part podcast, we will focus on the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on women and the challenges they face in getting help. Our guests are Carlene Cardozi, she is the regional president for Rosecrans, and Crystal Haviland, the director of Connections Counseling. Ladies, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, John. That's the voice of uh, Carlene Cardozi. Uh, Carlene, let's just talk a little bit about this topic in general. How has the impact been different for women? Why, why are we having this conversation specifically today? Well, I mean, from my point of view, I have been passionate about women in services and women in careers. And so this one, for me, touches really close to home. Um, and the other piece is that women have been solely impacted by COVID different than any other population. You know, depending on what article you look at, uh, in between one and a half and three million women have not been employed once COVID started due to all of the constraints that women have, whether that be family obligations and children, uh, the overwhelming pressure right now with work. And so for me, it was something that I wanted to make sure that other women who might be struggling or people who are listening to your show who know women who might be struggling would know that they're not alone. Um, and that there's a whole group of women who are feeling the same way they are feeling, and that there is really help uh, for women out there. Crystal, you weren't probably surprised to see this as a potential topic for us, huh? Right, absolutely. Um, it is It's something that I, too, feel very passionate, as I'm a mother of two small children myself, and um, that is a, a group of women who are um, under a lot of significant pressure. Um, In 2020, there were actually 1.2 million fewer working mothers um, because of the childcare issues that that women were experiencing. And um, in addition to that, you know, over the past year, one in three women um, had considered leaving the workplace and were actually considering looking for other jobs that were less demanding um, because of the level of burnout um, that they're experiencing. Um, the levels of burnout had increased up to 42% of women had said that they had felt um, burnout almost all the time, which the year prior was only 32%. So this is something that I, too, feel very passionate about and, and um, feel that similar as Carlene, that um, the more we talk about it, the more women can feel like they're not alone and and know that there is help and ways to connect around this. So a higher percentage of women than men in the workforce had to leave their jobs. I guess women have traditionally been the glue of the family, and that's no different today than it was in the past. Is that your read on it, Carlene? That is my read on it. I think You know, women have been juggling things for a very long time, and whether we like it or not, we continue to juggle all of those uh, different labels and duties that we have. And so, you know, I I think that there's a lot of reasons why there's been a struggle. When they talk about some of that balance in the household, uh, they talk about the instability in sleep that's taking place, the instability of, you know, as Crystal said, child care, school. We all know that schools are open one day, closed another day. How does that impact a woman's work? Um, women are super social. Uh, you know, I I am not a shy, little, quiet girl. Um, and now with COVID, it's been hard to see your friends and to stay connected. And so I think all of these pieces that w- make women different have really taken a back 
seat during COVID. We've also seen a very large increase in calls for domestic violence and calls for suicide hotlines that women are calling. And so there's so many ways where women are suffering um, and we want to make sure that that people come forward and, and seek help because help is out there for them. They feel more isolated under these circumstances then, too? I guess physically, if you're out of the office, you don't have that workspace, right? Well, as Crystal said, all of the burnout. You know, you are at home, too, and while people love their children, uh, there's also the love of your job. And now all of a sudden you are at home with your two small kids, with just your husband. Uh, there could be financial you know, constraints if a woman had to stop working. And so there's so many pressures that women are feeling and that outlet to connect with friends or to go to the gym or could, to go to whatever sort of pottery class or art class or whatever you like to do has also been removed. And so whatever coping mechanism they could have had during this pandemic also might have been shut down. I suppose, Crystal, on the one hand, we could have been having this conversation prior to the pandemic, too. I mean, women still do carry a burden of responsibilities in the household. Yes. Yeah. The the difference now that COVID is happening is, you know, we talk about it takes a village to support um, one another, to support children. And um, but what 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 if you didn't have the village to begin with? Um, and then, and then put COVID into play. And then, you know, we're also, we haven't mentioned single mothers or, um, you know, women who, um, don't have family around, um, to begin with that are really struggling and are leaving the workforce because of that. Yeah. I was actually getting mad at the men in these women's lives as we were talking about this, but some of them may not have that other support person to begin with. So I suppose the complication is even more acute there. So then you're a little more isolated. You don't have a network of family or friends. And you, I guess, have we're, we're sort of retelling 2020 to a lot of people who may be nodding, going, yeah, I know, we were there, we did that. And now they lose the financial uh, piece of the pie, too. Yeah, as Carlene had shared, you know, a lot of companies have tried to be flexible, but with closures or sick children, oftentimes you're not getting paid time off and you just have to stay home. Or, you know, that level of stress at home, um, you know, domestic violence is a huge um, concern, um, especially if we aren't connecting um, as with our social group as well because of the risk of the virus. So I guess at some point we transition from laying this foundation of what it's been like for people to then what they've been doing to cope and some of the unhealthy things they've been falling into. But before we do that, is there anything else in this crap storm of a year and a half that women have had to deal with that we haven't mentioned? I think the one thing that might just be common sense but I think is worthy of noting is the um, this culture of being always on at work and this lack of setting boundaries or when am I done? Um, So through, you know, COVID and the pandemic, we've really been able to be flexible. Hopefully um, some places have been able to be flexible to allow people to work from home and to have these other options. But then the the transition from work home life is really blended. Um, I think this is part of the burnout um, and the stress that, families are feeling of always being on all of the time. Um, That's really exhausting. Well, we weren't working from home. We ended up living at work, right? So you just just could not escape it. So 
as the director of uh, Connections Counseling, Crystal, who do you see? Who do you work with? So I oversee the clinical work um, that's done here. We have about 25 individual clinicians here, and I myself do carry a small caseload as well. Of what's the typical person you're working with? So we are an outpatient clinic for mental health and substance abuse. So really what our cornerstone is is substance use. Um, we have our highest level of care here is intensive outpatient, um, and we do see the continuum of care of services of outpatient focusing on mental health as well. Uh, for both of you, is it the case then that people who were inclined to abuse substances or alcohol or maybe have some sort of mental breakdown, people who were inclined to be vulnerable to these things now find themselves in the throes of some sort of abuse? Or are some people completely waylaid? They had no warning signs, and suddenly COVID-19 is hit and their worlds crashed around them. Who, who are we talking about, Crystal? I think both are true. I think that um, individuals who maybe had some earlier warning signs prior to the pandemic um, have escalated their use and had what you say, you know, kind of um, this, crisis. And and I think people who haven't really had warning signs before found that, as Carlene was saying, you know, not having um, exposure to the outlets that we normally would have or having the clear-cut boundaries between work and home um, start filling in the gaps by looking at ways to move away from pain, which is a natural human condition, like using alcohol or other drugs. So do some women come in and just say, I was doing fine. I had it all together. And now I'm drunk every night or way too often. I mean, is is that what I'm talking about? Yes. Yep. And if you look at media, the social media is really driving for, towards young women, I guess women in general, right, to, oh, have a glass of wine. I mean, it is all over the place as an answer when you go to social media and media in general to take the edge off, um, to normalize how a drink can just make these problems go away. So that's another thing that we're fighting against is this normalization and this marketing towards this being an answer. The home delivery of it also made it where you didn't have to even leave. So maybe the shame or guilt that might have kept you out of the grocery store to run into a student or run into your next-door neighbor, at this point, you can now order it to your house. Um, and so while for some pieces it's super convenient not to go to the grocery store, there also is a piece of it that has exasperated some of the drinking that some of us are doing in our own homes. Is that it? Is it? Is it wine? I mean, I've seen the Chardonnay memes. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, are there other substances that women are using, or is that maybe the majority of it now, Crystal? No, there's an array of different substances. That was just a, an, I think, socially very normalized as the alcohol. But, um, you know, I think it really depends on accessibility and, and what's around yeah. for for women and people in general. But I wonder, too, if some people outside of substance abuse or alcohol abuse suddenly find themselves in some sort of emotional or mental crisis. And I don't know how that manifests itself. Maybe uh, I, I don't even know what you would call it, but what else do you see outside of drugs and alcohol? 
So we see lots and lots of anxiety. Um, and, you know, I think what's really important to acknowledge is to not pathologize the human experience, but there's so much of what's happening through COVID is, um, you know, unknown. And that amount of anxiety, especially as we're thinking about women's role in caretaking of their family, but also their staff members at work, you know, this level of anxiety and just not knowing what's going to happen um, is can be really debilitating. Um, and often coupled with anxiety is depression, um, feeling helpless, feeling frozen to maybe even being overwhelmed that they that can't act at all and so just want to hide and isolate and stay in, um, which unfortunately is really easy to do right now. Um, is it progressive like that? The newness of the situation creates anxiety. The acuteness of the anxiety leads to depression. I mean, is that does it take that form? Does it follow a sort of step-by-step path like that? Not always. No, it can look very different for for each person. Um and, you know, I think the question that many people are asking is, at what point is it a problem for me, right? Because we know that this is a human experience, right? We talk about mental health. You know, someone can have um, mental health without mental illness, and someone with mental illness can have periods of good mental health. So this is really where it's helpful for people to to reach out and talk and um, start to understand at what point is it that they need to seek to seek treatment or support. So would it be fair to say if you're experiencing this, you're not broke, this is an almost natural reaction to the overwhelming nature of your circumstances, and you can be whole again. We just have to get you through this. Yeah, that's so important. Such an important message to give. I don't know that that's true. I'm asking. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. literally, because I do think some sort of a psychic or emotional break might some, some people might even be resistant to acknowledging what they're going through because they want to say, no, wait, that's not me. And it could be any of us. And then we'll go back to being you once we help you cope with what you're dealing with right now. Yeah. So my answer to that is usually a sign that whatever is happening in your life and you're trying to sustain whatever you were sustaining before probably isn't realistic. That yeah. something has to come off your plate in order for you to have room to take care of you. And so for me, that those are the conversations that I'm having with my friends, I'm having with clients, is there's so many things on your plate. What can come off so you can prioritize you? So this doesn't mean that if you have a break or um, I don't even know that I would call it a break. Uh, um, I call it an eruption, uh, you know, where it's just like you can't keep it in anymore and you truly just erupt, that you aren't broken, there's nothing wrong with you. You've hit a point where you just can't do, it's not sustainable and you can't do it all anymore. And nor should you ever had to have been doing it all. But now is the time to get support and to really sit down and think about what can come off of your plate so you can be a priority. 
Carlene, what does that support look like then? I mean, so what do I do? We know that connection is actually a really big key component for any type of recovery, whether that be substance abuse or mental health. And so we're going to encourage people to find connection. Some of us that might be going to an individual counselor or right now telehealth, if that is something that somebody can do as well, if they don't feel comfortable leaving their home or going to a group setting. But ultimately, it's reaching out. It is reaching out and telling somebody that you're struggling, being as vulnerable as you can be about what's really going on and letting somebody step into that space with you. Uh, There are so many studies that say just having somebody going through an experience with you makes that experience end more positively. Um, And so letting somebody come and sit next to you. I always say, you know, when you sit in you've ever been an athlete and you put your feet in ice, there's a study that says as soon as you put your feet in ice, you take it out if you're by yourself. But if you put your feet in ice and you're sitting next to somebody else who has their feet in ice, you're three times more likely to stay longer. And so let somebody sit in there with you. Let me put my feet in the bucket of ice with you and let's get through this together. And it could be really different for anybody who's reaching out for help. That's a conversation with a counselor? Is that what you're describing? conversation with a counselor it could be a conversation with a friend if you're not willing or able right now to really say i I want or need professional help it could be calling a friend a parent a mentor um, a personal trainer a counselor whomever that is that you feel you could connect with as that first step is going to be what we would ask somebody to be you know and um crystal you were talking i was thinking about subtractions things i need to eliminate from my life to ease the anxiety I wonder if one would also think about additions, like should I take a yoga class or, um, I don't know, have an hour of me time and somebody else is going to watch the kids. I I don't know what those uh, alternatives would be, but is one more efficacious, say, as a strategy than the other? I think it's a combination um, of doing both, right? So as Carlene was talking about, being with people who can understand, have a shared experience, or be with you in it, but also to, you know, I think about what's on your priority list and how can you, um, you know, ask for help on the list of things that aren't your top priority that can kind of take that amount of pressure off, right? So I think a really good example is the list of household chores that maybe women are taking on that, um, you know, Write that list down, talk to your your significant other, talk to family members about who can come in and do these things so you can or, you know, go to take a yoga class or prioritize other things that just aren't making the um, the top of the list because of the amount of things that are, are building up. In the next podcast, I want to talk to the two of you about the the stigma that women uniquely feel when they do reach out. But before we get to that, let's just close with this question. So you've got these, either the extra glass of wine or the extra dose of anxiety that you're struggling with. I wonder when you know that you've crossed the line or that you really need help. Is there a symptom per se? Or how do we counsel somebody who's thinking, I might just need to buck it up and and get through this on my own, or I need to reach out and get help? Is there... um, Maybe that's not even an important question, Crystal. If you're asking it, the answer must be get help. But answer that for me anyway. I'm hesitant to say one way because I think it looks so different for so many people. But I think women truly deep down know what it is and that they've hit their breaking point and that something needs to change. 
So I think my answer to that would be if you're feeling like I can't keep doing this anymore, something needs to change, to know that you're important enough and worthy enough and deserve something to change, and you might not have the answer or have the space to find that, and someone else can help you establish what that is, whether that's a therapist or a friend or a boss, um, if there's that safe space there. Um, But getting it out of your head and having a loved one sit with you and listen can help give you some of that clarity. And so my answer is is to trust that you know yourself well and that you're worthy and deserving of of it to change. How do you answer that question, Carlene? I would answer it very similarly. I think that you know when you can't do it anymore. Uh, You know, it can look so different. It can look like a disruption in your sleep patterns, in your eating, in your mood, in the way that you react to your child or your spouse. And so I think when you start to see a few of those things changing, many of us notice. Uh, and when you notice that, that's kind of that red flag in your head saying you're, you might need some help. You might need to go and talk to somebody. So I think all of us kind of have a tally of when we're doing good and when we might be struggling in some areas. And so when we realize that we have a couple things not going so well, that's when I would encourage somebody to go and talk to someone. So in the next podcast, then, let's talk a little bit more about the challenges and stigma that women face getting help. And it will be a little more specific than we have even so far, although I think this has been very helpful. I must say I'm really relieved for all of us to have heard what the two of you have said, that it's okay to seek help, that it's normal to feel the anxiety or complications that you do, that you won't be broke, and that you can actually recapture your normal life, or at least a degree of it, even if the world isn't still normal right now. Yes, I think that's really well said. That's uh, Crystal Haviland. She's the Director of Connections Counseling. And you've also been listening to Carlene Cardozi, who is the Regional President for Rosecrans. I'm John Williams. Another podcast coming up. This is On Your Radar. Women and the Impact of COVID-19, a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Go to rosecrans.org or call 866-830-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting. Life's waiting.